0: Recorded live in the Phantasmo Lounge, high atop the Lawrence Rory Guy Building in beautiful Midtown Chesapeake, Virginia. It's Phantasmo After Dark with your host, Rob Floyd, and co host, Professor Tony Mercer. Tonight's topic Phantasm.
1: Boy.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the old podcast. Hey, Tony. Kulgar. Okay. (laughs) Is Hungarian
2: for quitting a podcast. (laughs) So soon we just started. Many men have gone there. Few have returned. I have returned. And you are one of those men. After 15 years... (laughs) I have returned.
0: And the Oscar goes to Martin Landau as Tony Mercer.
2: <laughs> I've been saving that up for you all day, and you're trying to cut me off. No, sir. I'm gonna do the whole bit with the pauses.
0: I appreciate it. It was wonderful. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> Phantasm. Phantasm. Phantasm, we're Topic? About. Phantasm. This is one we have been talking about for a long time. Yeah. Or at least I've been talking about wanting to do it for a long time. I think we've talked about it before together. A franchise that we love for various reasons, which we hopefully will get into those reasons <laughs> before it's over. <laughs> Buckle up folks. This is gonna be a long one. We got five movies to talk about. Oh dear. And uh God, what over what's that thirty years? Yeah, guess, <laughs> of time between so. the first
2: and the last one. Longer, really, right? Mm-hmm. When when did Ravager come out?
0: 2016. Yeah, and 79 was the first Phantasm. So yeah. Now, the nature of these films, talking about any one of them would take up an hour's worth of podcast time, but talking about all five of them, <laughs> get comfy, folks.
2: <laughs> we shall see.
0: Yeah. And well, let's start off right there. Like I said, the first one came out in '79. The next one came out in '88. The next one was '94. Then '98, 2016 was the was the last one. That's a little bit of time between each movie. I mean, nine years between the first two, then six years, then four years, and then eighteen years. Right. Not missing a beat really between them, as far as the you know the people in it and the making of them. Though there was a I think we talked about this earlier, there's definitely a tonal shift with each film. I mean, the first one, creepy. Creepy movie, very dreamlike, and you're not sure. I was trying to remember watching it not long ago, trying to remember the first time I saw it, and I can't remember where it was the first time. I know it was on VHS, I'm sure. But it's one of those movies that you always heard about, and then you finally get to see it. And was it what you expected? Or was it something completely different? You're expecting a straightforward horror movie, and I guess you can watch it on one level and it's kind of that, but it's not really, because the way it ends, Reggie's tells Mike that everything he happened in the movie was a dream. Or maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Maybe we should talk about the plot of the movie a little first. Reel it in! (laughs) Reel it in!
2: Start over. (laughs) It'll be interesting to see how our opinions about the various sequels have changed over time. Because I know mine have to some extent. Oh yeah. You and I have both Marathoned the series recently, but separately and at different times mm-hmm. but we had we had our own phantasm marathon you may or may not recall when uh th- when rav when i'm sorry when oblivion the fourth one first came out on d v d yep and the only options for the second and third one were v h s yep. still I remember that yeah uh, we did the marathon then back in uh back in them days mm mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Those yeah. are my pronouns, by the way. Them-thar? Them thar? Yeah. yeah. Use them freely. Yeah, yeah. My name is T. Sagittarius.
0: <laughs> pronouns are them-thar. There no ha- are no pronoun police here. Ha- hashtag resist. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I remember. Anyway, so phantasm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> yeah, back to Phantasm. Uh, we didn't stop talking about Phantasm. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> no, I remember that. I remember and being excited that a fourth one came out. Yeah. And getting to watch it. And then when news of the fifth one was coming out, getting the same excitement, like, oh, boy, here we go. Because, you know, they each one, it doesn't disappoint, I don't think, if you, if you like the movies, if you like Phantasm. But each movie is very different. It, it's hard to explain, and we'll try. <laughs> they're the same because it's the same characters in the same story. Yeah. But they're very different in mood and in tone. To where the first one is very is very creepy and dreamlike and low budget, the second one is not very dreamlike at all. It's more of a straight ahead horror picture. Yeah. You know, two guys on the road hunting monsters. It's
2: an action horror picture. Really. Exactly. It doesn't
0: have, it just has the characters from Phantasm in it. It doesn't really have any of the, the feel of the first movie. But because it has the same characters and the same pretty much plot, is the tall man's? They're out to get the tall man. The tall man's trying to take people from the graves and turn them into those dwarfs for s- slaves in his dimension. It still has that, so you still get that kind of feeling. But the things that were different in it, or should we talk more about the first? one? Should we do go in order? Or are we gonna jump around? You're the boss, boss. <laughs> <laughs> well, since I'm already talking about two things that were that were vastly different from the first one was. Comedy is introduced in this one. You get Reggie's character that pretty much he becomes for the rest of the movie.
2: Yeah, see, that's it. I think that the second one, in a lot of ways, defines what the series is going to be. Yeah. Because there's nothing, there's things that call back to it, and things that I think are evocative of a similar atmosphere from the first one in in Mm. parts. But the first one is really unique, and and none of the sequels are are like it, Uh -uh. really. It's the second one that sets the tone for what the series is going to be. Yeah. And then I think what happens over the course of the series, to some extent, it's less tonal shifts than it is focal shifts. And with, okay. and with yeah. the focal shifts, you get different emphasis on the things. Different that, moods. Yeah, th- yeah. Different moods that are all part of kind of the, they're all part of what Phantasm does, mm-hmm. right? as established with the second one. Yeah. But how much of each ingredient you get mm-hmm. seems to some extent be defined by where the focus is, right? So yeah. so 3 is very much Reggie's movie mm-hmm. and it's it's a road picture and there's action and there's comedy and yeah. you know it's a little bit silly, right? Yeah. And then if you can make the argument that 4 is Mike's movie and we're back to being a little dreamier, a little more atmospheric, yeah. a little less for laughs, you know, yeah. than the, than the third one was,
0: but yeah, because in the first one, Reggie was a secondary character, more or less. Yeah, you know, is it, it was Mike was the focal point, and his brother kind it was his brother and Reggie were kind of equal footing, I think. Yeah, as far as screen time and and focus on the characters in that movie, but it was Mike was the focus, and there's you know there's a lot of stuff going on in that movie that gets dropped from then on, the creepiness of it. You know, I was watching a little bit of it this afternoon not before I came over here 'cause I it'd been a while since I've seen it, so I want to touch on some things. But there's that whole scene where Mike goes to see the girl and her grandma who's the clairvoyant. And that's just a very odd scene to me because it has no bearing on anything else that happens in any of the other movies. Yeah. Barely has anything to do with the rest of that movie. Yeah. And after she tells him, you know, don't be afraid, because fear is what's going to kill you, not what you're afraid of. Yeah. Then he leaves, and the grandma starts kind of laughing, and and you know leans into the girl, and they, it's like, were they bullshitting him? Is that what that means? <laughs> yeah. Who knows? You know, it, I just I don't understand what that was. Yeah. That
2: that aspect of there, there's something about the the first one to me. I saw Phantasm as a kid, so yeah, you know, I, I knew it before. I knew a lot about euro horror, but circling back to it after the fact as an adult, there's uh-huh. something about the first one now that strikes me as very european yeah you know, whether by accident or by design, and that example that you just gave is um is a very good one because you know the little girl in the in the old crone uh-huh. grandma or grandmother. You can point to stuff in Baba and Argento and yeah. Fulci that that reminds you of, yeah, you know. Uh-huh. And again, it might that might have not been what was on Coscarelli's mind, but that's what it reminds me of, yeah, including but not limited to the fact that it's pretty much a non sequitur, it doesn't go anywhere and it doesn't yeah. really mean anything, and we never see it again, yeah. Much it's just about the set piece, yeah, it's yeah. Like somebody had an idea for a set piece, and, and there yeah. you go, you know, which is again something that you sort of expect from, yeah. the European, particularly the the Italian.
0: That also kind of brings up another thing I was going to get talking about: having an idea for a set piece. The movie itself, they filmed it on weekends, yeah, and sometimes long periods of time would go before they could get back to filming it. Yeah, so you see subtly that, like, Mike's hair changes a little bit—like, it's a little longer, it's a little shorter—and then there was extensive editing on it. In the editing, they did a preview. I was reading about this; they did a preview of it when they finished it, and it didn't preview well, and it was really long. And Coscarelli uh, was saying that one of the problems with it was too long and there was too much character development in it and less of the, you know, too much of that and not enough of the scary stuff. Right. So he edited a lot of that out, which really worked. It worked in favor of the movie, but it was really cool because they used a lot of that footage in Oblivion. But I hadn't seen that in a long time and I forgot that when I watched that or we watched it the first time and now watching it again, it's like. There's a ton of footage that I don't ever remember from the first movie. was because we never saw it. They never used it. And on the, the DVD of the Blu-ray of the first movie, there's a lot of extra scenes that didn't make it to uh, Oblivion that they didn't use. You know, it would have made the movie probably at least a half hour longer, if not more than that. So there's tons of footage they filmed, but it was really cool. That's one of the coolest things about Oblivion to me is they show these flashbacks to Stuff that happened in the first movie, but they didn't have to get the actors to dress up and make up to make them look younger. They actually had footage to use, and the way they wrote it into the script of four, it fits. I mean, it fits beautiful, like it was like they thought of it back then. Yeah, especially the way four ends with that scene from one of yeah. Reggie and Mike driving off in the ice cream truck, and Mike here or Reggie hears. Mike's last line as an adult in four but in the scene from the first movie so whatever they heard in that scene in the first movie wasn't what's in four but it just fits like a glove I mean it that's awesome i I really I think I like four a lot better now than the first time the first couple of times I've yeah, seen I, it
2: agreed yeah the first time I saw it was uh
0: when we did the marathon
2: to lead up to it years ago first hit uh DVD, as I said. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I remember being somewhat disappointed, just kind of having a feeling of uh, that's it. Right yeah. After it was over. And uh, then it became something that I had meant to return to for years and years and didn't. Yeah. And then when I finally did return to it, I liked it a lot more than, than I remember liking it the first yeah. time I saw it, for sure.
0: Okay, now let's go ahead. i tell you what, let's jump ahead. Because the movie, the series itself dreamlike jump and it jumps around back and forth let's go ahead and jump up to five because talk well to talking about five and the way five ends and our speculation as to what the end means we can talk about the rest of the series relating to that end because you have to you know what i mean yeah okay if you haven't seen five uh you know tough titty we're gonna talk about it's it been out long enough you should have seen it
2: if if you're this deep into this podcast and haven't figured out that you really need to have seen all these phantasm phantasm
0: movies to follow along i don't know what to tell you yeah and even if you have seen them good luck following (laughs) along but five is I, i enjoyed it more the second time i saw it too and i'll probably enjoy it more the next time i watch it it's a i i called it a bittersweet ending and about part of the way through it I kind of called it, but I was, I said to the person I was watching it with, I said, man, wouldn't it be wild if the whole thing was in Reggie's mind and the entire series was just a like a fever dream or something. And then it gets to the end. It's like, God damn, that's what he's saying it was. Or is he? So I, I knew that going in. And, and I honestly think
2: I enjoyed Ravager quite a bit. And I honestly think that Because I knew what some of the twists were, Uh because I knew what some of the criticisms were, because I knew some of the circumstances under which it was made and how that sort of affected what it was going to look like and certain aspects of it, it sort of level set me to a certain extent. Uh So my expectations weren't too crazy. When I finally saw it for myself, I liked it quite a bit and I I thought it was a worthy conclusion to the series. But, But getting back to your point, you know, I definitely didn't take it as that's the answer the answer is it was all in reggie's mind i took that as one of at least three possible explanations for what's been going on right i think yeah. i think ravager sets it up so that you can pretty much just pick which one you want it doesn't that's have to tr- yeah. it doesn't have to be one or the other right it's either it could be it's all been in reggie's mind the entire time could be what we think it's been the entire time, yeah. and it's just that the the tall man is screwing with Reggie, trying to make him think it was all uh-huh. in his head the whole time to make him stand down. Yeah, or it could be you know they, they uh, present this idea that there's some gigantic, perhaps infinite number of realities, and each one has a tall man. The tall man has yeah. a line to that effect, right? About how there's yeah. millions of me or thousands of me. What what does he say?
0: It's something like that. There's yeah. thousands. So, the,
2: so there's a, there's a dimension hopping, reality hopping aspect of Ravager that you can argue has always been there in the series. It's just that Ravager is the first time they define it as yeah. such. So another way to look at it is it's all real somewhere. There's a reality where it was all in Reggie's mind and some, and, and then every other reality that we've seen is also real in its way. And that what we're watching, particularly in Ravager, is the characters sort of hopping from one experiential plane to another, right? And you can tie that all the way back to the first movie where, you know, I wouldn't call it linear, but it seems more or less straightforward until everything suddenly jumps to Reggie saying... Or Reggie uh, telling Mike, you know, Jody died in a car accident and there is no tall man and all these things. If if you wanted to take the reality hopping explanation, then that could be the first time we really saw it. We really saw it where it was obvious. Oh, yeah. So anyway, there's three, right? It's in Reggie's head. It's not in Reggie's head. The tall man is just trying to make him think it is. Yeah. Or it's just a reality hopping uh, experience that they've been having time like I said there's three ways to take it, and there's probably more ways yeah. to take it, but I don't really feel like Ravager's trying to tell you which way to take it, especially the way that it ends where if I remember correctly because it's been maybe six months since I've seen it, but if I remember correctly it cuts back and forth, right, between...
0: Especially the closer it gets to the end of the movie. Yeah. It cuts faster between realities, or yeah. I'm making air quotes And here. if
2: you want to take that as it's all in Reggie's head, then you can take it as we're seeing what's real, which is Reggie dying, and yeah. we're seeing what's in his head, which is the other world. Yeah. Or you can interpret it any of those other two ways, just, yeah. just as, as I've laid out yeah. there. So, yeah.
0: And any one of those ways you take to interpret it you can follow back through the other films and see that they could be each leading down that road, yeah, no, I totally agree you know yeah, and I, and
2: I like that, like like ultimately, you know, when I had heard before I'd seen the movie myself that it was all in Reggie's head, and that's sort of the answer to the mystery of the series, I found that somewhat disappointing, although I was still looking forward to seeing it yeah. for myself, but when I saw it for myself. I was quite happy with the way that it was handled again in that it doesn't really tell you which thing to believe. It just presents you with options. And I thought that seemed to me to be very much in the spirit of the series Mm -hmm. and a good way to to cap it.
0: Taking the road that it is in his head and that he dies at the end of it. I I mean, I I kind of, I'm I'm with you on that. I was was kind of disappointed in that, but I kind of liked it in the same way because in his head, when he dies, then it goes to what's in his head. And he's kind of riding off into the sunset in the Cuda with Mike and Jody and Rocky. They pick up Rocky from uh, three part three. Of course, the little kid's gone, but they have a midget, so it's kind of the same thing. (laughs) And they're riding off to fight the good fight, you know. And and that's kind of cool. That's like a western. They're riding off into the sunset. Uh, That's
2: little person, Rob, and my pronouns are them/thar. Don't forget. (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh <laughs> them there are little persons no yeah yeah for sure so and then you follow it back yeah. and you see clues that you didn't see before or weren't as obvious that it is a dream and and it is in Reggie's head two obvious things well not obvious but two two things that to me point that it was in it's his dream is Reggie never dies there's instances in each one of the movies where it's a no-win situation he's gonna die and he gets out of it and it's not like kirk he doesn't smooth his way out of it he just something happens and he's not gonna die the tall man decides i'm not gonna kill you you know and walks away like he has him at the end of uh two all the spheres have him up on the wall and he says run kid and the little kid goes and gets pulled out the window and the movie ends right well then four years go by and they make another movie and it starts with reggie with the spheres and the tall man comes as we're gonna play another game it's not your time i'll see you later and he he falls down the spheres go away he should have been dead and at the end of uh, in the first, oh in the first movie doesn't he does he die in the first at the end of the first movie reggie how at the very end of that
2: is that where he gets stabbed he gets stabbed in
0: the yeah first he gets movie. stabbed yeah. Yeah. And then. But is, is that at the end or is it. Oh, no, no. I don't. He's wearing be before, his ice cream yeah, yeah. man uniform when yeah. he gets stabbed. No, yeah. But that's after. Before he, the end. Yeah, because the very end, you don't see right. Mike just The just end is the Mike mirror, getting pulled through the mirror. And right. that's it. That's yeah. the way it ends. Boy. Yeah. Which everybody always quotes. But the end I'm of two. I'm ashamed of myself yeah. for just quoting it right The now. end of two, okay. He gets thrown out of the. He gets beat up in the front of the limo, uh the, the hearse, gets yeah, thrown yeah. out, and he. A Mike and the girl see, or fake Mike, like fake Jan from the Brady Special, <laughs> see him go bloody against the window, and he slumps down on the ground and doesn't move, and the hearse takes off. Yeah, and you see Reggie's lifeless body on the ground. Yeah, the, the next movie it picks up, they refilm it, and they get real Mike back, which is cool. But they refilm it, refilm it as he goes up against the glass, and he stumbles. And the hearse takes off, and he's just stumbling around after that. He doesn't drop to the ground, and then the end of that one. That's where he's jacked up on the That's where he's jacked up, yeah. Uh, no, three, no, at the beginning of that one, he gets, <laughs> the hearse crashes. Mike gets thrown from the hearse, and it's it's the real Mike. Yeah, and the girl's dead. The <laughs> girl is just fried, and the funny thing is, she was such an important part of two. Yeah, And they just yep, kill her off right at the beginning. Mike doesn't care anymore. Doesn't care, doesn't mention her name again, but they get surrounded in the woods by all the dwarves and the tall man. The tall man says, we're not going to kill you now, Reg. <laughs> Take good care of the boy. I'll come for him later.
2: Yeah. Why did he do that?
0: <laughs> you know, so Reg could live, live in his dream and go on. Uh, oh, another little odd thing in that scene right there. It, earlier in two, he fires the four barrel shotgun that they made a big deal out of him making. It was like, you know, it was really cool. Yeah. And he runs out of shells and he throws it down in that basement. And you don't see it the rest of the movie. At the beginning of three, he's pulling Mike th- Mike has been thrown from the hearse. It's laying beside Mike. Reggie picks up Mike and picks up the shotgun and drags him back into the woods. That's another thing that makes it... Uh, it's his dream. But the fact that he always escapes certain death, okay, it was my point there, and in all the in all the movies, makes me think that it's, it's in his head. But the number one reason why I can prove to you that it's all in Reggie's head. You ever had a sex dream and... Right when you get to the good stuff, something's really gonna happen. Good, you wake up. Every time Reggie gets ready to get some or have some fun, he gets distracted or pulled away from it, and doesn't go. And it's like it what didn't even happen. It wasn't there. So the whole thing's a dream. You know, I take your point, <laughs> and it's a good point. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But I would argue that's the opposite. That's what proves it's real,
0: right? <laughs> right? What, just look at Reg? Is that what Cause,
2: you're saying? Because no, I love me some Reggie Bannister. And Reggie, if Who you're doesn't? out there, I mean you, no disrespect. No, Reggie's come, the man. But come on, he's he's punching out of his weight class with all them <laughs> chicks, son. Come on now.
0: But he gets to that point where something's happening.
2: It's getting ready to happen. Yeah, and then they think better of it, you know. Well, except for the one girl who. Uh, is, well, a couple
0: uh, of them are like the tall man in disguise, yeah. so that's kind of weird. Um, He's like slapping
2: him on his bald head. <laughs> yeah.
0: Alchemy was her name.
2: Yeah, alchemy.
0: Yeah. Anyway, anyway,
2: I uh, I like it the way it is, where you where you don't. Where oh yeah. You can pick one, or you
0: don't. You don't even have to decide. It's just ambiguous, right? I think well, you know, and that keeps the whole theme of the from the first movie yeah. where coscarelli said you're supposed to wonder are you what you're seeing is real yeah. or is it a dream so that kind of keeps the whole thing or it, it full circle it comes back to the beginning in a way
2: well what's interesting about that is so i talked about how whether it's uh, intentional or not the first one has a kind of european sensibility to yeah. me and it's tempting to say that being the case and with the fact that it's dreamy and it's more concerned with atmosphere and mood than it is with any kind of linear narrative cohesion yeah. or anything like that. It's tempting to say, oh, you know, this is this is the, this is almost a dividing line between between sort of tastes right about. So so what what I mean is that for me, yeah. I always say that a horror movie only needs to make about as much sense as your worst nightmare. Yeah. So long as it works. So if it makes no sense and it's not very atmospheric and, and you're not really drawn into it and you're not feeling it, then perhaps some sort of satisfying narrative can sort of salve that. But if you don't have yeah. either, you're in trouble, right? Yeah, you gotta yeah. have oh, I get that, one yeah. or the other. Uh-huh. Right? But but for me, I'm looking for the mood, the atmosphere, mm-hmm. the image. I can take or leave yeah. The the narrative so long as the former is there intact. Right. So you look at something like Phantasm and it's tempting to look at it as the kind of movie that sort of draws a line between people who like that kind of thing that I just described. Yeah. And people who don't. Right. But I don't think it works that way. I think Phantasm is actually a lot more popular than the kind of movie I have in mind that I would almost want to compare it to. Am I making sense? Yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying. and, And here's why, because whether it's dream or not, whether it's explained or not, whether it makes sense or not, phantasm from the very first movie hints at a mythology. Yes. And the mythology that it hints at is very intriguing and you want to know what the hell is really going on. Yeah. And I think it hints at it well enough And the iconography is strong and the image is strong enough that people who are maybe a little more inclined to think about these things in a linear sense will sort of fill in the gaps on their own. Yeah, And I think Phantasm is sort of a transcendent example of a dreamlike horror film for that reason. But there's a danger in that, right? Because the audience, even someone as like I would describe myself, who's less interested in that aspect of uh-huh. it. The audience can't help but want to know, especially as this series goes on and on and the mythology is yeah. drawn larger, what the real answer is, what's really happening. Yeah. Here. You know, what's what's the what's the payoff to the mystery yeah. of what all this means. And I think Ravager does a pretty good job of giving you just enough. Oh, anyway, I got ahead of myself. The danger in that the danger in hinting at that and doing it so well yeah, and creating a, a sort of soft mythology that people can sort of fill out and, and define with their imaginations uh-huh. is that you are going to end up in trouble when you try to pay it off. Yeah right? Because yeah. it's never going to be exactly what everyone yeah. wanted it to be. Yeah, And also, I think with something like Phantasm, you could really sort of sacrifice what the series is and sort of the the moods and landscapes that it creates by trying to get too deep into you know, an encyclopedia of, here's what the tall man really is and a lot of yeah. exposition and shit, right? So I think Ravager does a pretty good job of giving you just enough information that if you want to take the it was all real and here's what the mythology is view of it Yeah, there's enough information there that it feels relatively satisfying there's still plenty of gaps so it's still mysterious oh, yeah. but you can fill them in by yourself well enough with what yeah. it tells you about what's going on yeah. right. so it manages to skirt that and this won't be true for everybody I'm sure there's plenty of people who would watch it and be disappointed in terms of not being more explanation than there was but for me I think it defines it well enough yeah. that it's satisfying without over-explaining it so that it's disappointing, while at the same time giving you other possibilities for what could be going on, and thereby remaining true to itself. It took me a long time to explain that, but <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, you see what I'm. No, totally. I'm
0: getting totally. At and and to touch on two different things you brought up there: one, the iconography, and then the the mythology. Well, first the mythology, having a little something for everyone, kind of what you you kind of touched on. The mythology changes from film to film. The tall man's reason for being and doing what he does changes each film. You don't get anything set in stone. And that contributes more to is it a dream or is it or is the different tall men, different tall men from different dimensions have different agendas. Right. Because the first movie, it's it's a dreamy film, but it's, it's pretty much straightforward. He's harvesting the dead here killing some of them himself, turning them into these these dwarves to work as slave labor in his dimension or planet or whatever. That's basically his motivation. In the next movie, he's killing off or harvesting almost whole small towns and not just taking a few people here and there kind of thing. And I, I can't remember if, if they say he, he's trying to take over our world at this point but in the next film that's i think that's more the thrust of it he's trying to because they every town they go in at this point is wiped out so he's spreading across the land and trying to take over our planet instead of just bringing slave labor back to his planet well
2: so, so two things the, the bringing slave labor back to his planet That's not what He says he's doing. That's what the perception of what he's doing is. So, yeah, you you can you can just say, well, that's what they thought he was doing, but he was more ambitious than that. But to your earlier point, we see the tall man disposed of and then reemerge from the gate, right? And we learn later that there's many realities with many tall men in them. Yeah, and so as you said earlier, is you know could it be that? The first one we saw was less ambitious than the next one. Yeah, we saw there was a new agenda. Maybe a tall man that had already had great success in some other dimension entered
0: this dimension with much more ambition than yeah. the last one, or whatever. But th- but you know, then in three, towards the end of three, three is is almost like two films, in a way. When Mike comes back, it shifts gears. The first half of it is kind of a almost an evil dead type of horror comedy with Reggie being the star, but the fall guy kind of thing. Cause he gets hit over the head, locked into the trunk of his own car. And then, you know, the girl ties him up and then she shuns him. Doesn't uh, give him any. And then Mike comes back It starts to get kind of serious again because the focus has shifted to where the tall man wants Mike for a purpose. And there's something about him that he wants or needs. And then that's pretty much the focus of part four, the Tom. And I don't think it's ever quite made clear what he wants him for, specifically. He, he, he really. alludes to a couple different ideas, yeah, but he never comes right at it and says it. And then in four, we find out Mike has telekinetic powers that he's never had before. Yeah, all of a sudden he has the force, and uh, <laughs> and it, it's just it's it's odd how it the to man's purpose keeps shifting. But like I said, that's his mythology that like you were saying, it's never quite fully explained, but it's enough there to keep you interested, to want to find out more, but you find out more and then you find out less. You find out more, you find out less, which is kind of cool because I don't like everything to be spoon-fed on the table, you know. Not knowing or the unknown is a lot more interesting, for me anyway. I don't need the character's complete origin, I, I just need to know that he's scary. And that's what makes them scary—is the unknown. Yeah. But uh, another point, because I'm just rambling now. But another point—you brought the iconic look of the film and the character. That's a big thing. Yeah. I mean, if if you don't have an iconic villain or monster or killer in a horror movie, you got nothing. You got nothing to remember, nothing to go back to, no familiarity to go back to. You want to see, and then the the iconic silver ball you got the tall man you got the silver ball we've never seen anything like that sphere before in a horror movie it was it was unique that i know of it was I a unique killing weapon for lack of a better word and the tall man and the spheres what you're looking forward to in every movie you want to see this you know the silver ball come out <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like you had the, the hockey mask, you had the the Freddy glove, you have Mike Michael Myers, you will see that, you know, white expressionless mask and Phantasm, you will see the silver ball and the tall man. So it does have one of those iconic looks that's very important because there's been other films as we did a podcast. I've told you about I want to watch with you sometime the vampire. Yeah, really good film. Crap for an iconic look of a monster. It looks like crap. I mean, it's, it's nothing memorable about it, nothing iconic to its look. It, and I'm, I'm completely convinced and that's one of the reasons why it's not a more popular film. But this, this the silver ball is just awesome. I mean, who doesn't like that? If you anybody remember knows anything about the Phantasm films, they know that silver ball. And it's cool how, in a way, it's kind of cool how it changes the function of, of the f- spheres from movie to movie. Yeah. And the first one, it was pretty much just the flying sphere with the two blades that came out and then the drill. Yeah. I think that was it. In the second movie, the sphere came and it had a little buzzsaw that came out and like sliced that priest's ear off. And then the, the uh, blades came out. And then, um, let's see, was it the second one? that? Had, oh yeah, the second one also had three spheres. And had one gold one, I think. Yeah, And then you get to the third one. And the, eye, the, the brains and the spheres. Yeah. And then the eyeballs. So the sphere could look like a camera around. And then, of course, Jody's, Jody's sphere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which was something we're like, where did that come from? That's new. You know? So they kept on having this. You had the sphere. That was that iconic look. You knew what it was. But you got... As the movies went on, okay, what's it going to do this time? What's the new thing it's going to do? So that's what's kind of cool. And it keeps you wanting to watch. Keeps you, what's next? Give me some more. You know, what you got? <laughs> I think I said this earlier, but one of the coolest things about 4 is all that footage from the first one. And 4 is, comes out in 98. And we're talking, so what's that, about, almost 20 years, 79? so when the first one, and footage you're seeing footage from back then you never saw and uh four comes out when did you say four came out in oh no i'm sorry four came out in 94 didn't it no no four came out in 98 yeah yeah 90, 98, yeah and the first one was in 79 so yeah. i thought you said 88 so. oh no 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 that was that was a uh, part two but i love that and, and the footage that we did see but there was that one scene where they actually hung the tall man I can see why they didn't have that in the film in the first (laughs) movie you know though it would have added an interesting bit where Mike goes back and cuts him down but that was so weird seeing that I'm like what the hell is that you know because that was totally out of left field never heard about that scene never saw it before and here it is part of that but then again like I say does that is it a dream that Mike is remembering something differently that we never saw that he never remembered before or did that, ha- did that happen in a different dimension? And, this a, and, Mike, you know, and there's stuff in four where Mike goes through the different gates and ends up in different places. He ends up in the past, and then he ends up in that, I don't know, is it downtown LA, abandoned, Omega Man set? Yeah. I don't know.
2: <laughs> Honky paradise, brother.
0: <laughs> right on. <laughs> I always dress for dinner on Sunday. Anyway, <laughs> love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm rambling. I, I'm 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 talking like the movies do. Uh, the, I'm jumping between scenes. True here. True
2: to the spirit of the phantasm. Yeah, series. Th-
0: this comes with watching them all back to back in two days. They are all kind of running together in my head now, and I'm trying to separate them. One of the most fun things to me about them, though, is the way each one ends, and it's a final ending. But then the next one picks up and has to rewrite the ending. Yeah. So, like, the, hey, they're not dead. But, yeah. hey, but this character is because we don't need him anymore, you know. And it kind of reminds me of the the Universal pictures where they would kill off Frankenstein. But, oh, we need to do a sequel. Okay, he didn't die in the fire. <laughs> <laughs> he fell through the floorboards into the catacombs below, you know. He has a pig leg and is now blind. <laughs> yeah. He didn't die in a castle explosion. He was buried in the
2: mud, <laughs> you know? All right. So, in in the interest of reestablishing some structure, <laughs> <laughs> is there anything specifically about the first movie that we have not yet covered that you want to cover?
0: A couple things I read about is Reggie states uh, that he never saw an, a finished script. Yeah, it was constantly being rewritten because a long stretch appear between filming. So he would show up and oh, we're going to film this this way this time. Okay. Uh, and there was a, a bit of improvising on the set. And the, like I said, the extensive editing rewrote it a little bit too. And added to the Dreamlike quality because they had to, okay, was well, this is what we got to work with, you know, so we got to make this fit. But there's the one scene that doesn't make much sense to me is where Jody's talking to the friend of his and he's like, hey, well, are you still sticking around this town? He said, yeah, I'm, I'm leaving. You know, I, I came back to take care of the kid when the parents died, but I got to get out of here. What, he's going to leave Mike? Like, was Mike 15? On his own <laughs> at the parents'
2: house. <laughs> Doesn't he say something about taking him... Oh, that's right. He said rel- something about taking him, dropping To, her, so a- to some relatives.
0: Yeah. Relatives. yeah, yeah. Uh, another thing, the car at the beginning yeah. in the first movie is Jody's. Yeah. And Jody's and Mike's. But the second movie, it becomes Reggie's car. Yeah. And from then on, it's Reggie's Himikuda. Yeah.
2: What always strikes me about going back and watching the first one as it relates to the series is... How little Reggie is actually in it, yeah. You know, this, the first one doesn't really give you any hints at, at the fact that Reggie will become the key character, yeah. And he is. I mean, Mike. Certain. I mean, much revolves around Mike. And oh, it's his movie. Yeah. It's it's them as a duo. I don't know about the series. Much revolves oh, series. around Mike in yes, yes, the series, yes, yes, yes. and you, know, you look at it. Look at the series as theirs, right? The duos. Yes. But you know, there's long stretches of it that we spend with you know just reggie and whoever reggie is encountering on mm-hmm. the road particularly in the third movie obviously yeah it's always even though i've had this experience several times i'm always struck by the feeling that i remember reggie being in the first one yeah. more than he actually is
0: oh yeah he's just he's just almost an afterthought yeah he's a side, definitely a side character now the footage they shot that that didn't make it in the film he's in a lot more of that from what I've seen, and the, there's probably more that that I haven't seen that yeah. they didn't put on the DVD. But what they showed, it's just a little more character development, and it shows a little more the friendship between him and Jody and Mike, not so much him fighting the tall man or anything.
1: Yeah,
2: and Jody is really sort of the ultimate '70s sports car driving, poofy haired older brother. He's that guy. He is that guy. <laughs> he's I knew a, that
0: guy. Yeah, and he, but he's a decent guy. Yeah, he's like not like Joe Jock or frat boy, you know. But he, yeah, he's the atypical 70s hunk guy. Yeah, He's Barbarino. <laughs> <laughs> what? Where? Where? But don't touch the head. <laughs> His character, though, as the movie goes on, is odd. When he comes back as the ghost, Jody, and then transforms into the sphere, what? And nobody else <laughs> that happens to no one else. You never see any other character do that. Yeah. And which another thing contributes to, to me that it's, it's a dream because it's just unexplained bizarre shit that just happens. And he's, he's a guide to them until you get to four where he's a guide. But then halfway through, Mike's like, don't trust him. I don't trust him anymore. And then by the end of the movie, he does turn on him and he's just like a minion of the tall man, which was never alluded to previous to that moment which is is odd to me i guess it's kind of cool in a way it's like well didn't see that coming but usually when something like that happens you can go back and go oh i should have seen that
2: i feel like i suspected that when they brought jody back because he was a sphere i feel like I sus- i suspected that yeah right away but it's hard to know if I suspected it the first time I saw it fresh yeah, or if it's just because in, because I, I know what happens later in retrospect, yeah, he looks suspicious when we see him reappear. Yeah. You know.
0: And older. He doesn't stay like, you know, his ghost self.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's a, uh, well, can't be helped. And of course they had to take advantage of that new state of the art, uh, morphing technology yeah. from the nineties, like the Michael Jackson black and white
0: video, yeah. Jody turning into a sphere. <laughs> That's another thing. The CGI yeah. in the movie doesn't really come about until then. Yeah. And up until then, the spheres were f- all physical objects on set on either wires or strings or when it's going down the hall. A lot of times, it was just somebody just threw it as hard as they could. And they filmed it until, you know, until it started, as it was going straight, until it started to lose its arc. And it's very effective. When Reggie's up on the wall, and all the spheres have him pinned and there's a few floating around. If you look at the behind the scenes footage, you see people above him like with strings moving the spheres. Yeah. But they're doing it so fluid and smooth. It doesn't look like they're swinging on a string. Yeah. It's it's really done well. And I haven't seen the strings on the film. It's not obvious enough. Now, if I, if I sat there and looked now, thinking about it, looked, maybe I would see him, maybe I wouldn't. Or maybe they cleaned it up. If, if it was even there to see. But once the spheres get to where they're doing CGI, like in 4, it's obvious that it's CGI in, in a lot of the scenes to me. And I'm not, not as fond of that. Now, there's a couple things where the sphere is going in front of Mike and his eye line is off. It's like the spheres... Now, you can't see this if you listen to the podcast. Only Tony can see what I'm doing here. But if the sphere is just to his left and his eye line. Is just to the right of the sphere where it should be right on the sphere. It's like, okay, that wasn't matched up with the CGI, they didn't match that up right. You know, that's the giveaway to me. You know, it doesn't hurt the film at all. But some of the stuff like that, like Jody being the sphere and no alluding to it, but like you said, being suspicious of it happening. And a lot of the, if you want to say continuity errors or where they end, they ended the film, and where they have to restart the film at the beginning of the next one, and they have to tell a little bit the past and, and restructure it. So, okay, that didn't really happen like you remember it. <laughs> He's alive now. <laughs> you know that stuff like that, and the bizarre flipping back and forth stuff leads me more down the path than it is a dream. Uh, though I like, I like all three explanations depending on my mood to which I like best at the time, you know, going back and watching them. But I think saying that it was a dream really excuses a lot of the stuff that as the film's going on, you're like, what? You know, why did that jump from here? Why is that person? Why is he contradicting what he just said last scene about? There's a couple scenes where Mike is like uh, talking to Jody or something like, no, man, no, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that. And then, By the end of the conversation or the next scene, he's like, okay, let's go do it. (laughs) And there was no, there was no transition for him to be swayed his opinion to go the other way. And there's a lot of stuff throughout the films like that, dialogue-wise, like I said, that leads me down the path of once it's in five established that that is a possibility, I'm like, okay, I can excuse everything in the series that does that, that skips a groove because because your dreams don't make sense a lot of times. Now, for it to be different dimensions, I have to go back and see where where the shift in the dimension happened. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's a to me like I
2: don't need it to be that clearly defined, that literal. That it's no, no. Uh, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, that, it, that to buy that, I have to be able to kind of see where or map out where each jump happens. Or oh whatever. no, no. Yeah, I, I just don't think I don't think about the series as something that needs to be that, that clearly yeah. to have all its details that clearly delineated. But
0: Yeah. Well, you know, one thing that's, so, that's really cool though, about this series is even though come to find out by the, I don't know, the middle of the series, it's an arc, It's actually an arc. It's an ongoing story. And by when five gets here, you find it does have more or less an end. You can watch each one of the films on its own. You don't need to, you don't need to see any of the previous ones, to enjoy each one on its own because they set it up at the beginning of each one, I do believe. They say, here's what's happened up until this point, and you can move on with the film. And they're so bizarre and, except for two, dreamlike and different. in, like we said, mood. Each one is a different mood and different focus that you can watch them as individual standalone films. I mean, I think you can.
2: I think so I think I think that works in terms of if you missed this or that sequel but but I think you it's difficult for me to imagine what it would be like coming to one of the sequels stand alone yeah except maybe the second one coming to one of the sequels stand alone without any investment in that world and those characters yeah. already I think a lot of I think whether that works or not might hinge on whether or not you're invested in that world and those characters to some extent. Yeah. So I don't know exactly where we are because I missed the last sequel, but I know this is phantasm and here's Mike and Reggie and there's the tall man. And okay, here we go.
0: You know? Yeah. So, well, and another thing too, there's, there's in each film, there's stuff introduced. That's never referred to again. in in the next film or the films after that, but there's also stuff that's referred to constantly from the get go to the fifth film. Well, it's like in, in two, the gold sphere. You never see a gold sphere again. You remember there's that indention in the wall and they say it's a key. You put the sphere in there. That is never brought up again in any other film. That worm thing that comes out of the tall man's skull, yeah. comes out of his head. You never see anything like that again, except in three where his hands get cut off and his hands turn into his little monsters. And the, the Hemikuda blows up in two. Blows up, gets destroyed. Yeah. It's back in three (laughs) and it's convertible now (laughs) about the tall man's bits and bobs getting cutting off
2: and turning into stuff. Don't remember that. Don't forget that happens in the first movie too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But that, that particular, that worm thing that, I don't know, that was just such a weird thing. If his his fingers can, you know, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Turn into giant killer fly or whatever that thing was. The, the first one where he figures out that he doesn't like cold. And I think in the third one, they refer to that again. Yeah. But then I don't think they refer to it again. No, they don't use that in four. Not that I can recall. And that was supposed to, it seemed like that was supposed to be a major thing for them to know in the first one. Like, here's how we can defeat him or something. But four, the tuning fork element comes back. Yeah. And that's a major plot device for him to get out of a fix in that, which they brought that up in the first one, but they dropped it and they picked it back up. Another thing about, I think it was a three, is you get these other characters introduced, like the that goofy trio of uh, bandits or robbers or whatever that turn into the zombies. That was just really kind of off from the rest of the series to me. Oh, the Home Alone shit yeah yeah the home alone movie 3 was the home alone which yeah. like I said it's it's two different movies you know you've got or 3 at this point you've got the home alone segment you know then you've got the on the road with Rocky and the kid and then Mike shows back up and it gets, shifts and gets serious again but yeah that was just that whole bit and that focus on the kid was just like okay are they grooming a new Mike here you know and it was, but it was just weird and then like I said the next movie Oh, kid's gone. Never, never spoken of again. Yeah, he doesn't even get brought back for a ride along in, in five.
2: <laughs> yeah, the the, uh, the Home Alone sequence in in three really stands out as bizarre.
0: Oh, and Reggie's house is back in three too.
2: And it also stands out because. What was 394? Three,
0: 3 was yes, yes sir, 94. And
2: Home Alone was what 91? Something like so that. So it's still in very recent memory at yeah. that point. Yeah. You know, so maybe it was uh maybe maybe it was intended to be a parody of some kind yeah. where could be, could instead be instead of the gags that you get from Macaulay Culkin and this kid's packing heat or whatever. I don't know, but the whole thing is weird. The character designs of the of the three thieves or whatever yeah. the they are supposed to be Somewhat over the top and strange. You get the thin guy in sort of the the suit and hat, right? The yeah. Sort of anachronistic, looking like he just walked out of a gangster movie. Guy, yeah. and then uh, the guy that just walked off the set of people under the stairs, and uh, <laughs> you know, and his the, '80s girlfriend, his '80s girlfriend, he yeah. gets a hatchet to the forehead. A- almost like they were designed for what they were going to look like as zombies, more than what they were going to yeah. be as uh-huh. characters. Which is fine. Yeah, That's fine, yeah i'm not I'm not necessarily making a complaint about that. It just does stand out as very odd. I can say, getting back to the question of how our views of the sequels might have changed over time. I liked three more now uh-huh. than I did the first time or two I saw it, and I liked two less, which surprises me. I always thought of two as being you know, yeah. Uh, I really
0: like the idea of two a lot. Better than the execution. Yeah. yeah. I like I liked the two guys on the road yeah. fighting monsters depending on each other. I mean, it's like I said earlier before we started. Before Supernatural, there was Phantasm and Reggie and Mike. <laughs> uh, even when Supernatural first came on the air, I thought, oh, they're ripping on Phantasm too. <laughs> the idea of it is really cool, but like you said, the execution, not so much. Because it takes the dreaminess of the series and kind of puts that out the window and it's just a straight ahead action horror it, p- it picture.
2: Is, it is quite straight ahead, yeah. Which, by, by comparison. Yeah. By
0: comparison to the rest of the series, it is very straightforward. Which isn't doesn't make it a bad film. It just kind of puts it out of place to the rest of the, the series. Yeah, I would like to see it, have seen it with the original Mike.
2: Yeah, I think I'm, I'm of two minds about that. To some extent, I, for the most part, yeah.
0: I think it would have been a different movie. I, w-
2: I would have liked to have seen the original Mike throughout the whole series and not get that one that one picture replacement. But for the movie we got, yeah. So, so if you're going to make the case that if we had had the original Mike, it would have been a different picture, then I'm all for that. For the for the one that we got, it's almost better in a strange way that the original Mike wasn't subjected to that. Well, yeah. You well, know. he couldn't have been. He couldn't have been. <laughs> yeah. You know he why just, the I, movie- I would... can't see him have work. I can't see that.
0: Go ahead. Well, you know why the movie ended the way it did? Yeah, why? Because it was the only movie of the series, I do believe, that Coscarelli had made with a studio. Didn't make it independently.
2: I think the first one- Studio. I mean, I'm sorry. The second one, yes. The third one was it that the studio made it but wouldn't distribute it, or that or is it they didn't like the script and they wouldn't make it? I can't remember which
0: one um, or funded. I the can't remember second, which one. Well, was. the second one, after the second one, because it didn't do well, yeah. the studio didn't have any interest in making any more with them, but they offered to distribute the films. Oh, other way around. Okay, other yeah. way around than what I said. They and, they distributed it but they wouldn't fund it. Yeah. So okay. the reason the two is the way it is, is because the studio had input and they didn't want it to be dreamy dreamlike yeah like the first one they wanted more of a straight ahead hard picture and they wanted to recast both leads they wanted pretty people or typical horror movie hero faces and coscarelli says people can't regular people can't relate to that he wanted he always cast people by their looks first and then find out if they could act because he wanted people to look like the guy next door yeah and he reached an, a, an agreement with the studio. They said, "Okay, you can have one of the original people, either Reggie or Mike." And he had to have them audition for the studio to play the parts they were playing. And it ended up, I don't know what caused him, but they picked Reggie instead of Mike, and they recast Mike. And which is, I think, makes sense in the fact that it's supposed to happen in actual time, ten years after the first one, or I think seven years in the, in the film. It's supposed to be seven years after the original events. So Mike would be older and changed a little bit. Reggie would probably look the same. So having a different actor playing Mike, you can give that. Even though the guy they had, I don't think worked at all.
2: Nope, does not work at all. Not at all. He He just had the wrong
0: look entirely. Yeah. It did not fit
2: in the film. Yeah. And it just didn't work. He just, he looked completely out of place. Like he had just come from left field somewhere. And
0: yeah, it it doesn't work. And he didn't have, he just wasn't Mike. Nope. Um, Now with all that being said, It's something I wanted to ask you earlier, and I forgot. Do you think you could take the second one out and go from 1 to 3 to 4 to 5 and watch them like that? Because of the dreamlike quality and because the beginning of 3 tells a story up until that point, and in in the retelling of it, they don't show anything of the guy from 2. The only scenes they show from 2 have Reggie in them, and they reshot the end of it that shows the original mike in the back of the hearse with the girl uh can you watch them that way and and be be totally okay with it
2: uh, i mean yeah I, mean, I, th- I think there's no way you're not going to feel like you're missing something
0: like i said earlier you are going to miss a big chunk because mike is that much older and it's like okay how did they get to that point even though he does explain it but you do get i don't know if he explains that mike was in a mental hospital for a while
2: no for all that we've established that 2 is a bit of a misfit in the series yeah at the same time 2 is the movie that establishes what the series is going to be which is paradoxical that's true, that's true. yeah it doesn't fit in terms of the the atmosphere that you're looking for from Phantasm for the casting change yeah. for, for the linearity but in terms of establishing Reggie as a main character which he was not in the first no. one not really and establishing the Reggie Mike relationship yeah establishing where the hell Mike has been and where he's going and that the tall man has some sort of connection to Mike and seems to be hunting him or or vice versa. All that is established in, and the adventure aspect of it, which I think we agree is overdone to some Mm -hmm. extent in the second one, but will remain to varying degrees through the rest of the series. Yeah. You kind of have to have it. Well, that's
0: true. That's true. Because it does establish a lot of stuff like that. And they're running gag that Reggie's never going to get laid. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you
2: know and, and again, I want to stress, I don't think two is bad. I like it. Oh, I enjoy it. Yeah. It's, it's just, I don't like it as much as I used to. It, yeah.
0: It's, but you're, but you're right. It doesn't exta- yeah. establish, even though it's the series is from then on, it's like Reggie and Mike, it's their series. It kind of establishes that it's Reggie's series a little more, yeah. even though Mike has a lot to do. And four is more Mike's film. Most people, if you think of Phantasm, they think the Tall Man, the Ball, Reggie, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Quadruple Barrel. That's right, Amy Yeah, yeah. Now let's jump ahead to five, okay? Because that's a big film. Oh well, or do you want? Okay, go well, ahead.
2: Let's let's because we started talking about three, then we jump back. Oh, okay, to two. well let's talk about three. Though. So let's let's finish up with let's finish up yeah. with three.
0: Reggie's gang.
2: Reggie's gang. Yeah. Yeah. So I was saying how these days I like three more than I used to and two less than I used to. Yeah. And the things that bugged me about three early on, I mean, they're all still there. It's not like I I stopped thinking that they were issues. It's just, I don't want to say the good outweighs the bad because bad is too strong a word. But the Home Alone sequence again is weird and the characters in that are weird I can take or leave the kid I don't know what function the kid really serves except to have that home alone sequence and you know then become part of Reggie's gang I remember the first time I saw it thinking that the actress that plays Rocky just couldn't act no and the performance was really grating to me at that time it doesn't bother me much now and and I almost kind of laugh at that yeah my my attitude about it from back then, because there are no master thespians in this series, okay, except for maybe Scrim. Yeah, there there's nobody in the series who's you know in, in yeah. danger of Olivier status anytime no, no, <laughs> soon. No. So I think we can give Rocky a yeah. a pass. But but all in all, you know, taken as a whole, yeah, I found a lot more to like about it. In this next go around, same with four. We already established that with four that we both liked it better. Yeah. Coming back
0: to I, it. I didn't like... About four, I don't like the all of a sudden telekinetic powers that Mike has. That was bizarre. And I'm not real fond of when he goes back to the past and meets the tall man in his pre- when he before he was the tall man. Yeah. And I think I've said that earlier. I don't need to know the mysterious character's complete origin like that. Yeah. Like, this is my biggest problem with the Rob Zombie Halloween is... Giving the entire total background of Michael Myers and how he became, since he was a child, how he came to be that way.
2: Well, I completely agree, but I don't think you can put the, the, what you might call possible origin of the tall man in Oblivion next to that. I mean, it's not the oh, same. Oh, no, no, it's not, not exactly the same. Thing. I'm
0: just, that's the closest analogy I come to is why I, why I don't like that type of thing as much is what I'm trying to get at. Now, it didn't hurt the film for me by any stretch. Yeah. But that's probably my two least favorite parts of the film part four the rest of it i love the back and forth between the original footage and marrying that to the story that's going on in four now brilliant i thought the whole thing with reggie it becomes mike's movie and then reggie is almost back to a secondary character like the first movie yeah for the most part but then shows up and does his thing yeah that's kind of cool because it's it's almost like it's it's pulling the whole series together between four and one is it's making them all fit
2: I agree with that and and I would go so far as to say that four is actually the the one of the sequels that comes the closest to the atmosphere of the first
0: one yeah and yeah. and
2: having unused footage from the first one one goes a long way to making that true yeah. but also I would argue that maybe it had to be true to make that footage fit you see yes, what I'm saying exactly yeah.
0: exactly it like is genius or brilliance the way it fits together yeah the way he made it fit because coscarelli he wrote produced directed mm-hmm. yeah, all of them didn't he?
2: he did not direct the last one I think he co-wrote okay so up the up last to that one point. and then a friend of his directed it he was like he produced it and he was there but oh, okay. the other guy was directing so, anyway, it
0: anyway he he's genius the way he made those two movies for yeah. it and the first one made him fit like that with the footage and like you say the first one had to or the fourth one had to be written had to have that feel for it to fit the brilliance those are you know things i really like about the film so the couple points that that i I don't care for that i pointed out doesn't hurt the film and doesn't make me dislike the film for any reason yeah it's just yeah i could take or leave those couple points oh and the way it ends with footage from the first movie yeah and it's like okay that could be the end of the even though the story doesn't end. That could be the end of the series. Is it a circle? Did he go back in the dimension and is back at the beginning again? But getting to five, after you saw five and we talked about it, there's that one line the tall man says to Reggie in four that leads to five. Yeah. that we You wouldn't know, and I don't know if he had that planned or if the line meant that at the time, but where he the tall man is talking to Reggie, but he's talking about Mike is what it seems like. Yeah. The way it reads, he says to Reggie, Oh, ice cream, man, it's all in his head. Yeah. We're thinking the, his is referring to Mike and he's talking to Reggie, but because of five and the way it, what happens in five? No, he's talking The his refers to the ice cream man. He's talking about Reggie is what it could be could be either one but yeah it definitely yeah. and if if it was if that was thought out ahead of time genius <laughs> that one line you know yeah now five is a big film a lot going on in that a lot of information presented to you and like you said with the different paths or dimensions that it it could lead what's real because at the beginning of it of course it picks up right before it left, left off. And all of them do that, I think, except the second one that picks up seven years later. But the rest of them pick up right when the previous film leads off, which is really cool. But then it gets to a point where he's in that cabin with the girl and he meets a tall man in a different landscape. And they have that conversation. And then all of a sudden he, or at some point during that time, he's there, he opens his eyes and he's in the rest home. Yeah. And Mike explains to him that no, you've been diagnosed with dementia, Reg, and you know this, that, and the other thing. It's, this fantasies about the tall man. And you're like... And at this point, you're taking it at that, oh, okay, the tall man's messing with well, it. This is a dream. But as the film goes on, you're like, wait a minute. Maybe that's the reality. And by the end, one of the possibilities you're left with is that, no, that is the reality. It is a dream. But it keeps flip-flopping back. And then we're presented in the middle of the film with a total different reality we haven't seen of the future where everything's the tall man has taken over it's post-apocalyptic and mike leads freedom fighters in the wasteland pretty much which is something we haven't seen up until this point right so this film is three or four different stories possibilities scenarios going on at the same time yeah which is kind of cool because it does go back to different points in the other films of the dream like or the first one, like what is a dream, what's not a dream, what's the reality, what's not the reality. But we're given a lot more to try to keep track of or think about in this film than we were in any of the previous films. And there's some obvious CGI computers It's supposed to look like a video game at one point where they go outside and Coscarelli's one of the guys that gets shot up in that scene. And that's I think it was that was done on purpose to look that way to to lend more to that Are, do you know what you're watching right now kind of feeling to throw you off balance what do you think
2: <laughs> well you know I, I don't want it to be Reggie's dream yeah I, I don't want that to be the quote unquote real answer yeah and ravager gives me an out for that right i mean we see reggie escaping from that reality yeah through through a gate right? yeah
0: well where mike breaks into that reality and like part of reality like fades away from the hospital and uh, that portal or more or less is open up to the wasteland yeah so yeah it's like mike broke through and was like come on reg that's a tall man's in your head come back to this now yeah so again as we
2: as we've said already i mean it it um it gives you the option, you know, take the one you want or don't take any or take all of them. Right. And that's, yeah. And that's cool. But for me, yeah, I, uh, I like the, the option, any of the options where it wasn't just all a dream. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, cause the, you don't want Reggie to die. You want Reggie to go on fighting.
2: Yeah, for sure. You for know, sure that. And yeah. I do
0: too. I mean, I, I like, I like the idea. I like both ideas depending on my mood. I do like the idea of like the tall man is making Reggie think that he's dying, and Mike comes through and saves him and pulls him back and says, "Come on, Reg, shake it off. We got stuff. We got things to do," which is what Reggie, you know, has said to each film. "Come on, Mike, we've got things to do." Yeah, his catchphrase. And they pull him out, and he's like, "Oh, glad you guys got me. Let's go." You know, and they go and they're fighting a good fight into the sunset. It's like cool. Okay, that's how it ends. We're gonna keep on fighting. I do like that. And they pick up. I, I really like how he brings back as many people, I guess, as they could get from the previous films. Rocky comes back. There's one or two other actors from previous films. I can't remember right off the top of my head that I saw in the credits. It's like, oh, they got that person. Yeah. But the girl who's in the cemetery that kills, what's his name? Uh, oh, their friend. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then tries to kill Jody. comes back. That's a uh, that's as graveyard Gloria. Yeah, <laughs> and not looking bad. No, no, you know. But that was really cool. They got her back for that. I like that a lot. It would have been awesome. I don't think there's any footage from the first movie, like in four, in five. There might be a little bit of a flashback, like a montage flashback. I think. But yeah, five's got a lot going on in it, man. And that's one of them that uh, if you haven't seen it yet, definitely go go get it and watch it. And I say that about every podcast we do. I say that about whatever we're talking about, but especially this series. If you haven't seen any of these or if you've just seen the first one, do yourself a favor. If you really liked it, go and get the red. They're easy to get right now. I think even Walmart has the box set of all five movies. Yeah. DVD, maybe on Blu-ray too. Probably both. Do yourself a favor. Go pick them up and watch them. And watch them as a marathon. Well, you know, it don't. The thing is, you could watch the because of the dreamlike quality of the way they recap, you could watch a months apart and not miss a beat because what you forget, they'll they'll fill in the gaps at the beginning of each movie, and it changes, so you'll be fine.
2: Most of my rewatch was via marathon that Joe Bob Briggs hosted oh. on Shutter. <laughs> there you go around Christmas time, which I think is still if you have Shutter, it's still available. The marathon's still available to stream on demand except it's missing the second one so you'll have to find an alternative yeah. to see the uh, means to see the second one we just slapped the blu-ray on when it was time to watch the second one and then went back <laughs> to went back to Joe Bob but i guess we're getting back to my thoughts on ravager i mean i would i would concur with uh, everything you said aside from sort of where our preferences lie. And just to add that uh, it's not really a criticism, but just something you have to accept about it is this is something that was made in this century shot on digital yeah, for very little money. And so for that reason, it, ha- it definitely has a different visual and and also not directed by Costrelli himself. Yeah. So although he was obviously heavily involved, so it, um, it has a different look. Yeah, than the others in the series, and and it's not subtle. I mean, it does in places, especially it looks. Oh yeah, yeah. But you uh, know, like, like I said, that. I
0: think that that really you can forgive that, or oh, yeah. or go along with it because of the dreamlike quality or nature of the story.
2: Well, for me, it was just it, it was one of those things I was alluding to earlier when I talked about how I was aware of some of the criticisms going in and yeah. and limitations of its of its production going in. Uh-huh. I was prepared for that, so that it didn't bother me much. Yeah, like if I had went into it blind, expecting one thing and and, and have gotten something else, I, I might yeah. have been a little more crabby about it. You know, because I think Coscarelli definitely has a a particular approach, visual approach. Uh-huh. to the series for the most part. Yeah. Which varies based on resources and, you know. Oh, yeah. Whatever was going on from production to production, but it has a certain consistency to it. He has a good eye, I think.
0: Yeah, makes a good horror film. Yeah. Uh, oh, and also in 4, had Dan Roebuck. He showed up out of the blue, which was kind of cool. Always good to uh, see him in something. Big monster kid himself playing the, was it, wasn't it he the German farmhand? and The, yeah. <laughs> <or> the <laughs> Swedish farmhand. <laughs> yeah. I think he was in, had a bit part in Bubba Hotep, like as a ambulance driver or something. And Reggie had a bit part in that too.
2: I haven't seen that since it was in the theater.
0: Man, that's a oh, you yeah, know that'd be a fun one to to do one time. Yeah, it's a good
2: movie. I just haven't seen it
0: yeah. since then. Have to, we'll have to watch that sometime. Overall, I mean, the series is a lot of fun. I think the the tonal shift in where the first one is a serious, creepy horror film. In my favorite of the series is the one i'll watch over and over again and have the same feeling about it since the first time i watched it i think two again i like the idea of it not the execution so much and budget like you said doesn't make it a bad film but that's where some of the comedy is introduced and Re- reggie's made to be the the budget ash in a way not that he's ash but that type of character with little com- comedic elements to it which carries on in his character throughout the next films yeah. until five i don't think there's any of that kind of thing in five is there no comedic elements no, at all? not that i recall not really five goes back to the just deadly seriousness of the first one there's only that one little bit where he kind of makes a comment about when he's standing at that girl's house and she brushes him off and that's it and, and the other ones, it, they kind of run the gag a little bit, you know, that, this, that's, it's like, there was like a nod and a wink to the, okay, we know you expect Reggie to not get laid. Here's <laughs> him not getting laid. Now back, to, now back to the film. But five is a, five is a pretty weighty film overall. Yeah. It would be interesting. I think I, I want to, since I watched them all recently, except for one, I think we watched two and three, Phyllis and I watched two and three one day. And four and five the next day. And I went back while I was working on stuff the other day and put in two, three, and four just to refresh my memory a little bit. I think I want to go back now and watch one and then watch five back to back and see how how my mind works watching. You know what I mean? How they play for me like that, the two extremes on each end of the series. Here's a question. Yeah.
2: And this is sort of a... Tangential to what you were just saying, so oh, forgive right me, ahead. but it popped into my head. We haven't had much, many tangents. Two, it's still on topic. Is there any time spent or any significant length of time spent in any of the sequels other than two, away from Mike or Reggie, Mike and Reggie? Uh huh. Like there is in two. So in, in two, oh, oh, spent on the other characters. You get the girl whose name escapes me. The, yeah. The priest, the girl's mother. Yeah. And we spend a significant amount of time with without those Mike or characters without Mike or Reggie being sort of present or plugged into those events. Yeah. Now you could say that Mike was because there was some kind of psychic bond between him and the girl. Um, That's the out, yeah. But I don't recall there being really any other characters that we spend that length of time with without Mike or Reggie being present in the rest
0: of the series. Not the the only other thing we get are, are Jody. The introduction of the characters, yeah. the extra characters, which is maybe seconds to a couple of minutes, and not not even a couple maybe seconds to a minutes worth, until Reggie or Mike show up to meet them.
2: Yeah, I know what you mean, but like the Home Alone sequence,
0: happens with Reggie locked. Reggie's in the trunk, there, he's but he's still the the there. Yeah. yeah, and that's only. A minute of screen time. Yeah. Really, if you think about it, it's not long. Well a minute it is it's a long more time. Than a on minute, screen. But it, yeah. it it's not that long. And um, then, mercifully. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The only other bit is in four, I think, where that girl's car breaks down and then Reggie shows up and gives her a ride. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not that much. It's really two, I think, is the only one. Yeah. Which is one of the things. I'm I'm glad you brought that up because why I was saying, could you take that out of the series and watch them because that's one of the few where none of the dreamlike qualities at all and then it goes off away from the main characters and if it was reggie's dream would he be dreaming about somebody totally different than not being involved in it at all and I, I was asking yeah. somebody else about this recently. You Actually, you mentioned that was to me not was talking, too long yeah. ago. Yeah. And
2: and I responded with, well, you know, technically Mike and the girl were supposed to be psychically yeah. bonded.
0: But somebody else I was asking about that, and they said they have had dreams about p- other people, like they're watching TV or something, and they weren't involved in it at all. Yeah. I don't recall my dreams or many of them enough to be able to answer that. Yeah, that was a
2: conversation opinion. we were having with, Phyllis, and I think Phyllis and I said that, yes, we've had dreams where we're just sort of watching other people do things. Yeah. We're just sort of... And not even in the room. Watching with a dream the like a yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah.
0: And uh, and I'm sure I have. I, yeah. just, I just couldn't recall anything. Yeah. You know, or can't recall anything at this point. But you no, know, I'm glad you brought that up, though. But are there any other characters? I don't think there is. I mean, there's little bits of like in uh, 3, Alchemy, where he tells her to go away, and then we see her while the action's going on, it cuts to her and her car's broke down or something and she's like she's by herself, which we didn't need to see her like that, really. Yeah. She shows back up later, she like stole one of the hearses and picks him up. But come to find out, it's not her, it's a tall man, disguises her. Was it was he disguising her the whole time? Or she's still on the side of the road with her car broke down. Yeah, you know, if you look at it that it, way. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We don't know. But yeah, I don't think there's any other in the series, we don't see. Rocky is introduced with her friend. Yeah.
2: And they, you know, we spend a scene or two with them before, or a sequence or two with them before Rocky connects with Reggie. But Reggie's on the premises at that.
0: Do we see them? Do they tie him up? The first thing we see is Reggie by himself, and all of a sudden he gets handcuffed and ball gagged. And then we see them, and he's on the ground, and they get time to themselves okay. while he's tied up.
1: Okay. All right. I
0: think, I think so. And he's not speaking because they've got him tied up. So it it is their scene. Yeah. But he's out of camera range on the floor, I think. Let's see, three, four. What's up, man? Is there anybody in four like that? Or is it just... I'm missing parts of it in my head now. Oh, no, that's four is the one Reggie picks up that blonde girl. Yeah. So he has a little bit with her, but there's nothing with anybody else. It's mainly... It's just Reggie and Mike, the tall man in the Jody sphere. Yeah. <laughs> the Jody sphere. Yeah. Welcome to the Jody sphere. Well, I could have said that Jody balls, but or <laughs> Jody ball, but, uh, but that's it. That's the cast of that movie. The old lady on the porch, when they visit Mike and sees Jebediah Morningside. Yeah. A pretty tall man. The woman who I guess is, is supposed to be his wife on the porch looks like grandma from the first phantasm hmm. with the black, shades and i don't know if it's the same actress but whoever is made up to look like her so that's kind of a callback and then five it's pretty much reggie mike and the tall man you get the girl in the cabin you get roebuck you're in a couple of seconds and they're both gone a couple minutes and they're gone the doctors and nurses at the hospital with red less than a couple minutes each and then a couple when it goes to the post-apocalyptic thing a couple of the freedom fighters and yeah. the midget guy yeah who comes out of nowhere that's another thing. He's another character that shows up we've never seen before but all of a sudden he's part of the mythology because he's like he's been fighting with Mike for a while now. Yeah. Which keeps in with the whole feel of all the movies where these people show up out of nowhere and become part of the story. Now if if there was a six that guy would be gone. We wouldn't see him anymore. <laughs> in my head
2: the the uh, that guy was a stand-in for the, the kid from
0: three. Yeah. Because you know, the kid would have been older and tougher at this point if he had yeah. stuck around. And that guy's a grizzled, get out of my way, you know, I'm a badass guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you'd said it earlier, though, that 5, it's a satisfying end to the series. I don't know. Yes, could they make another one after this? Of course they could. At the end of each one, it could be done. And could they make another one after that? Yeah, they did. Well, they did make another one after each one up until this point. But I think this one... There's no need to make any more after this. I think yeah. we've got we've got a nice package of films here. Reggie is at an age where he still looks looks good in the films. There's that one scene in the a one or two scenes where he's at the rest home where they have made him look older or they haven't made him up for the film. <laughs> Either that maybe he does look that old now in person. I haven't seen him in uh, in person in a convention in a long time. But he's still in the, all the other scenes where he's dyed his hair darker and he's, he's still Reg, he's still fighting a tall man and running with the shotguns and all that. So I, it's a good one to go out on before he gets too old to really be Reggie in the films. He shows up during the Joe Bob marathon. Oh, does he? Yeah, he does. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Hangs
2: out and talks. His wife, who did special effects work on the movies.
0: Oh, okay. is there too and they chat. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I met him in person once, Chiller, back in, probably back in the nineties, not long after Phyllis and I had been dating a few years. We went to Chiller and he was the first guest that there that we went to, to see. And Reggie in person is Reggie from the films. <laughs> I mean, he's that, that kind of, Hey man, what's going on? Kind of guy. You know, we, <laughs> the Chiller was out in the, it was out in a tent, the, the autograph out on the lawn of the hotel. They had a big tent with, you know, heaters and stuff. And this is October. It was cold up in New Jersey. Reggie came over with a, he had a, a big paper bag. And he, he's pulling it. It was like a six pack out. He says, yeah, I had to bring my heater, uh, you know, for the cold, <laughs> put it under the <laughs> table. And we walked up, I got, you know, after he got settled, I got a picture, got him to sign. I said, I said, Reggie, I gotta tell you, I said, I always give my wife a hard time here. I said, cause her dad looks so much like you. I always call it you know call him reggie to her and reggie looks he says he must be a goddamn good looking man dude. <laughs> <laughs> clayton got him at a chiller a year a couple years before that that i couldn't go to and i have it on vhs okay clayton was walking around and getting all the celebrities to say hey to me because i couldn't be there he gets to reggie reggie does a bit i've got an old vhs he's looking right at the camera He says hey rob your friend clayton said you couldn't be here i am um, you know hey sorry you couldn't make it man there's a lot of stuff going on there's a lot of uh sites and he, he said makes some pun about this girl's large you know tits she's got He says, looks look there isn't a good site down there <laughs> clayton points the camera down and he says and he comes back and he says uh hey you know but don't worry man i got your back i got a shotgun in the trunk We'll see you next time or something like that. You know, it was really cool that he did that. I thought you were going to tell me he broke into sitting here at midnight. No, 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 no. The title of this podcast though is going to be uh the hot as love episode because <laughs> we're hot as love, you know, and yes, somewhere in the podcast, we're going to slip in the song sitting here at midnight. It's going to be in here somewhere, probably right here.
1: I'm just a sitting here at midnight. I'll be sitting here till noon. You see, my lady left me lonely. Yes, she did. My baby left me blue.
2: His
0: love, you know. Oh, man. You know, Reggie has a band. Plays at some of the conventions. I'd like to check that out. I haven't been to a convention, been able to get to a convention that he was at since I saw him at that chiller many years ago. But he was really cool then, and I'm sure he's you know still cool now. He, I always hear anybody's got anything to say about him has good things to say, so that's always cool to hear.
2: Are you aware that the, uh, the gentleman who played kid jason the first jason from the first friday the 13th <laughs>
0: ari ari Arie? yeah is that
2: his name ari Lehman, yeah has a band called first jason
0: i'm not surprised
2: he does and that's what it's called
0: all right <laughs> first jason huh that's what it's called okay i didn't make it up well, you know. hey gotta trade all that fame man any way you can I, that's about all I've got to say about Phantasm. How about you? I'm spent. Yeah, we've had a. Uh, this has been one of the longer podcasts in a while. Of course, we're talking about five films over, what, a 30 year span of time. But all in all, I think we covered the topic pretty good. Back and forth about. It's interesting to go back, though, and watch films years later and see your opinion change. Yeah. Like you were talking about. Would you say you like three a lot more now than you did then, or is it four you like more now?
2: I like four a lot more than I did then. I like three somewhat more than I did then, and two a little less, yeah. Yeah, but we
0: agree. One stood the test of time as far as being...
2: uh, Yeah, the first one's a horror classic. There's no two ways about that. Yeah, and
0: five was a surprise. Yeah. I I, got to say five, it didn't hit me like a truck, but it did overall surprised me the direction that it went and then leading to a couple different avenues of is this the end or does it keep going kind of thing you know so that was really cool and i think it kept with the spirit of the series and do yourself a favor i said it earlier if you haven't seen these movies go out and see them watch them right now pick them up watch them one through five and enjoy the hell out of it and you draw your own conclusions as to what you think about <laughs> was it a dream was it not is it still going? Did it end? This has been a lot of fun to talk about it. This yes time. indeed. With that being said, yeah, that's about it. So thanks for uh coming back on this one, Tony. This has been fun. And we'll do another one here for too long. And thanks everybody for listening. Good night everybody. Good night. <laughs>